This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say, what's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half-time, but I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another TWW Lockdown Live. That was a lot to say. Um, As you can tell, it's early in the morning. We normally do these with a few beers on, but everybody's got their brews ready. And uh, we're all on we're on the caffeine because from the other side of the world, joining us today is Mr. Lloyd Awusu, ladies and gentlemen. He's joining us live on the show. Good good morning and good evening to you, sir. I I hope you're doing well. Um, Now, you are based in Australia right now, yes? Correct. Yep, correct. Um, also, uh, just I'm going to apologise right from the start about this, that uh, we gave you the nickname The One Minute Man, uh, which has different connotations, and uh, you know what I mean? And I, and I thought, you know what, he probably don't like that nickname. Uh, the missus even said it when she saw it, she goes, nah, make sure you tell me she's definitely not a one minute man. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so join us on today, we've got, we've got Vic, Dave, Steve and Holly, uh, my name's Dan, and we are going, we're going to go around the room, we're going to ask some various questions about your, about your career, about your time. So uh, normally we have a young kid called Ben, I say young, he's like, he's like in his early 20s, but you know, to, to me he's young. And, uh, and he normally does his, does his own work. So I'm going to try and dive straight in. And I'm going to go, tell us about the start of your career. Tell us about Slough. Tell us about how, you came, how, you, how it came about to be a footballer. Yeah. Oh, mate, like you say, obviously, every boy's dream to become a professional footballer with myself. And my background was athletics, to be fair. I come, I come from quite an athletic family. Uh, my sister, she represented Great Britain uh, at Commonwealth Games, World Championships, etc. And even me, myself, I used to do a bit of athletics, English school boys and everything. But uh, yeah, for me, football was a was a second second love, really. Uh, I would say I started playing about when I was about 10, 11, just in my local team. But like I said, again, I wasn't really into it. When I got to about 12, 13, I thought, mm, this, is, this is, I like it. You know, you, when you're a kid, you're seeing things on TV. And back in them days, it was the likes of John Barnes and Ian Rushes of this world. And they were like, that was my team I, I used to follow. So I used to say to myself, I, I, I wish I wish one day I could become a f- professional footballer. Uh, and like I said, junior, through my junior levels, I just carried on playing a bit. Got to about 15 and uh, playing for my local team called Crusaders. We had a really good team back in my day in, in a team or in an area called Slough. Uh, 
there was myself, there was a guy called Dean White who was an exceptional player. He was actually England schoolboy uh, under 16s at the time and he was a phenomenal player. He used to play in our junior team with us. And like I said, I was playing through there and then I got an opportunity to go to Crystal Palace as a, like a, back in them days, it was like the centre of excellence. So it was under 15s. So you're in that one step before you go to sort of that YT level. So I went there and I went there for the year. I mean, I wasn't technically a great player when I was a kid, you know, I was just really, I had real raw pace and strength. So I had, I had one year there. I didn't really make, make the grade. Uh, so my friend, myself and a friend called Gary Byrne, we, we never made it, but I never looked back. I just thought, you know I mean? That's, it's a great experience. We'll give it a go. And then from there, I just came back to my local town again uh, and I started playing for Slough Town Youth. And then from there, I played for Slough Town Youth for a couple of years, uh, under 16s, under 17s. And then when I was in the under 18s, uh, started doing quite well scoring goals. And then from there, I got called up to uh, play some reserve games. Mm-hmm. And uh, then from there, I got called up to play for the first team. And uh, I remember I was 18 and uh, Brian McDermott, the manager at the time, we were in a conference, uh, great level as well. It was, it was a competitive league that back in them days, it was back in like 96. Uh, we were, we, the team was flying high and Brian McDermott said to me, Lloyd, you're doing well in the reserves. I want to give you a chance in the first team. So I thought, yeah, fair enough, be on the bench and come on maybe. But he goes, I oh, know I'm starting you. I was like, oh, wow. So at the time we had these two great non-league strikers, one called uh, Mark West and one called Gary Abbott. These were like non-league legends they were. And I, I took uh, Westy's place and I started the game. We played Telford and uh, I scored four on my debut as an 18-year-old. And uh, all of a sudden... Better Wayne Rooney. Yeah, you know, so just from there, it just, it debuts quite well, don't you? Yeah, I know. I think it's just been a bit, been a bit of in my in my career. So from there, it just sort of went from strength to strength, and then from there, a lot of the clubs had heard of this young boy, Lloyd Bruce, who scored four goals on his debut. Uh, so from there, a lot of uh, pro clubs were coming down to Slough Town watching, watching. But, but for me, it was just to, just just be, I was just happy to to be on the park and scoring goals. So I, I was in and out of the team, in and out on the bench. Obviously, Brian just wanted to be careful with me as a youngster. Didn't want to put me out there straight away. And then uh, doing well. Then the following season, I signed a, a, a two-year contract with Slough Town. I was happy, you know what I mean? £50 a week. And I was, you know what I mean? £10 a goal, I think it was at the time. I was happy. You know, I was at 89. You're buzzing. You're, you know, that's your weekend money to go out on a drink. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, so from there, started doing well. And then uh, Slough Town at the time, we, we ended up, this my second season there, we ended up uh, eighth in the league and we came semi-finals in the FA Trophy. But at that time, the league criteria was you had to have your stadium to a certain level. But at the time, our chairman, he says he believed our stadium was it was in good good enough condition. So he said, I'm not going to be paying extra money for to to go into the to go into stay in the league. So the league said if that's going to be the case, then we're going to have to demote you from the league. So myself and a few of the youngsters, we're like, hold on, that's not fair. We've just all us youngsters want to try and strive to be the best that we can be, and then. Uh, they actually demoted Slough Town to, even then, it was about even three divisions below. So we're all like, hold on, we've signed contracts for being in the conference. We, we don't think this is right. And at the time, Brian McDermott said, look, listen, boys, to the youngsters, myself, Danny Bolt, Derek Simpson. He said, look, I'm going to try and get you youngsters some other opportunities with some professional clubs or some other clubs in the conference just to go on trial or even if they can buy you. So uh, Brian organised for me to go to Walsall. And at the time they were in league, so the league one of now. So I was like, oh wow, I'm a conference player going to, I'm going on trial for a month up to Walsall. I was like, wow, this is this is gonna be I was so nervous, you know. I can imagine 19-year-old going up there. And at the time there's some good players. If you remember people like Michael Ricketts, who obviously did well for Bolton many years ago in England, and uh, Clive Platt, there's some good youngsters there and some senior players there as well. So I went on, I went up there for the month, uh, two weeks into the trial. Uh 
I was on my way into the training ground and then I get a phone call from Brian and he says, oh Lloyd, where are you? And I said, oh, I'm just on my way to training. He said, listen, I've sold you. I said, sold me to where? He said, I've sold you, he said, I've sold you to Brentford. I went, what? Like, as in Brentford in, like professional Brentford. He's like, yeah, yeah. He said, look, go into Ray Graydon, who was a manager at Walsall and say, look, thank you for the opportunity, but you've got an opportunity on the table. So I went in to see Ray Graydon and he said to me, Lloyd, look, he goes, I've just spoken to Brian. He goes, look, we want to look at you for another couple of weeks, but if you've got an opportunity, you've got to take it. So I said, thank you for the, thank you for letting me be here for two weeks and then uh, see you later. Anyway, so I drove down at M6, met up with Brian McDermott at Heathrow Airport. Uh, me and him met up with one nose, may he rest in peace, and uh, uh, Ray Lewington, who's the Crystal Palace assistant manager now. So that Brentford were on their way to La Manga for a pre-season trip. So at the time, Brian said, look, we're going to go and get this, hopefully get this deal signed. We will sign a pre-contract and then hopefully, look, you can become a professional player. At the time, I had this agent called Lanry. And I swear to this day, mate, the deal never nearly happened as well. I was so angry. So he's, I've, I've called him on my way. I said, look, Lanry, we've got to meet Brentford at the airport. And so I need you to come and obviously look at the documentation, blah, blah, blah. So he's met me, he's come from, from Marlebone in London and he's met us at the airport. So we went up to a little cafe Saw Brian, uh, saw with Brian, and then obviously saw One Nodes and uh, Ray Lou, and uh, yeah, they go. This is a contract, three-year contract. I was like, wow, three years. I was buzzing like, like, like <laughs> three hundred and fifty pound a week. It was like a thousand pound a goal, and I was like, wow, this is like a dream come true. Like, and then uh, Lamy's took the contract. He's picked it up. He's looked at it. And he goes, no, and I looked at him like, no. He says, this offer is derisory. My client's not signing this. I'm like, I'm like, One Nodes goes, okay, if you don't want to sign it, we're going. I'm like. Now I'm signing it. And at the time, I had a mentor called Danny Bailey, who was a player at Slough Town as well, senior player. And he was the one who actually introduced me to Landry. So I said, Landry, I need to speak to Danny. So I called, I said, I called up Danny. I said, Dan, one knows the same. There's a deal here on the table. I don't care if it's for £50. I'm going to sign it. You best tell Landry I'm signing it. So Dan spoke to Landry and then Landry goes, after the player wants to sign, he can sign. So in the end, I ended up signing and then I sacked him off straight off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't having it, weren't having it. And then, yeah, Brentford went off, the boys went off to, uh, the boys went off to La Manga and I just obviously signed on the dotted line, a pre-contract there. And then the following day, I just went into the training ground uh, to go and have a medical, see the club secretary, just sign the official paperwork. And then uh, my dreams, my, my dream of professional career started from there. Okay, so let's, 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 let's just go into there now. We'll, we'll, we'll put a break because obviously we're going to get through the entire, um, yeah. entire thing there, aren't we? So, when you when you mentioned the uh, the centre of excellence at Crystal Palace and then being at Slough and unfortunately maybe losing your place as a footballer, um, th- this seems to be prevalent in the media right now. It's something that they're talking about a lot about the support for young kids at the time. Mm. I mean, we're going back twenty five years now. So, yeah. w- was there any support for you uh, at all in, in case all this went to shit? Yeah, no, Dan, nothing at all, to be fair. Uh, back in them days, like you said, it was it was not heard of any support for younger players. Uh, so, like, as you can imagine then, as a kid, you know, I mean, you get rejected. It's like, oh, sugar, you feel like you've, you've tried to do something and someone's told, told you and said, no, oh, you're not good enough. But luckily for myself, I had some great, I had some, my family was fantastic and I had some great friends who were so supportive, you know. Uh, they really, you know, I mean, they said, Lloyd, you just got to keep believing in yourself and keep striving to, to hopefully become what you want to be. And that's what all I did, to be fair. I just used to do extra. I would just be on the, after school, I'd come home just with my neighbour, just be outside, street football. Then, yeah, and then after games with Slough Town, I'd just be doing extra again on Sundays. Just always, always just ticking over, ticking over to try and get that opportunity to, if it ever comes, I'm, I'm ready for the opportunity to come. I love the I, idea. I was, was going to just go on to the back of that, Dan, as well, Lloyd. Just obviously, Lloyd, you've, 
you've told us that you've you've worked hard at your league. You, you came to football a little bit later on than some some folk have came mm. to football. You didn't just get it easy. You went to Palace. You, you came back away. You got your head down and you worked. And it sounds like Brian McDermott's worked hard to try and get you in yep. to to professional football. Did you find any of the non-league peers that you were playing with either in your team or around about the same sort of league felt sort of, I don't know, were annoyed that you would be given this opportunity and there was some sort of resentment that you'd had this opportunity given to you? No, not at all, to be fair. Like I said, there was there was four or five of us at the time who were uh, in the sort of same boat because like, we've all, we'd all signed two-year contracts. So for ourselves as players, we didn't think it was fair that we, for us to be playing in the conference now as a 17, 18-year-old and then all of a sudden you're... T- you're telling these youngsters, oh, you've got to go and play in the Dr. Martin Div 1. or It just weren't fair. So, to be fair, Brian actually got, oh, I think, yeah, I think uh, Simo, I think Simo went to Woking, Danny Bolt went to Woking, and uh, another guy went to, he actually went to Bristol City. So, we were, we were all lucky enough that Brian sort of really went out of his way to, mm-hmm. to source some some trials and actual deals for, for us boys, for us youngsters, because I think he knew at the end of the day it weren't fair for us kids who are trying to become professional footballers to to not be there and yeah, gave us the opportunity and we all ended up going going on and having okay careers. So I, I'm just trying to think what Brian, you know, there must be an element in the back of your mind of, of Brian McDermott. I mean, we're talking the Brian McDermott as well, yeah, who had a yeah. pretty Arsenal, successful right. career yeah. in the Betty championship in and, as yeah. well in terms yeah. of management. And, and and like, you know, do you, do you feel, because it, you know, the amount of money that you would have generated to move from Slough to Brentford, for example, and, and you know, you, you make to Bristol City and all that, wouldn't have been a life-changing amount of money. It would have just been a transference of a contract. So it was actually for him to believe you in a, believing you as players rather than a, a, a sellable asset, as it were. Yeah, for him, again, I, mean, I, went, I went for £25,000. Like you say, that's, you know I mean, peanuts uh, compared to what people go for now. So for him, I think it was just about giving the youngsters who he really knew had had some potential to try and give them opportunities to, to go forward. And did, did Slough ever spend that money on that stadium? Uh, nah, nah. They got, like I said, they got demoted. They got, like, they, they got demoted. And only until recently now, they've actually got back into the uh, Ryman, uh, was it the conference itself, in the last couple of two, three years ago. So all these, over these years, it's been in that lower, lower, lower leagues. And obviously now they've worked up and hopefully they can try and get back up to the, to the, to the likes of the conference, uh, but my, my, my feet still the record signing though, so, that's <laughs> so I'm, I'm right. So still them years. So I'm still the most expensive soul player. So, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of it. You you did all right then. Yeah, like, I did all right. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So so Brentford, like they were they were League One at the time. I mean, this is a huge yeah. step up, right? No, they were League Two. They got oh, the, they it? got relegated. They got relegated oh. to the old yeah the old Division Three. So one nodes have taken over. So they've got relegated. So his obviously his plan. He left Crystal Palace and then his plan obviously was to come in by Brentford, which he did. And then his plan was obviously to try and get Brentford back up automatically. And what he did was, I think it was, it was a genius stroke, to be fair. What he did, he knew that it, obviously money, money talks, don't get me wrong. So, but with him, it wasn't just all about the money. He just thought, if I can get a cusp of players who all believe in the same philosophy and, and believe that he did. So what he did, he had, he got, again, he got some non-league players like myself, Darren Powell, Martin Rollins, Gavin Mann, who were all non-league players for the last couple of years. Then he got some ex, some uh, boys who had just been released from Crystal Palace, Danny Boxall, Robert Quinn, who who were at the cusp of Crystal Palace first team. And then he obviously then we had a few boys who were already at Brentford. And then he got one or two top quality players like Herman Ryderson at the time, who was even playing in the in the top league. And he even mm-hmm. came all the way down to that division to play for us. 
and with that, he, he, he synergized all that together, and it was it was a dream come true because obviously that year we went up automatically on the last door. We went up last game of the season, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it was just a dream come true. <laughs> wow, uh, Steve, Steve, go on. How did, how did you find the um, the step up from playing sort of lower end conference non league football to, to going into league football? Was it a, a massive jump? Yeah, it was, Steve. And, and like I said earlier in the piece, like I used, luckily for myself, I had someone like Danny Bailey, who, who was a, who's still to this day is like my mentor and a, and a great guy. Because I always knew I wanted to become a professional footballer, I knew I had to be at a, at a level and be ready. So when I was at the conference at Slough Town, every Sunday after a game, I'd go up to Wolverhampton with Danny Bailey and train for two, three hours. I'd be going up, we'd be going swimming, bike riding, uh, doing athletics training. Like I would be doing everything to make sure that if I get the opportunity to become a professional, knowing that these boys train every day, where I'm only training two nights a week at Slough Town and the game on a Saturday, I've got to be ready at a level. So I used to do that. And in, and in the summer, he used to take me up to Cyprus. We used to go and do warm weather training there, just to always, just in case if, if that opportunity comes. And luck, luckily for myself, it came uh, to go to Brentford. It came, obviously, massive step, conference, obviously only two nights a week, going into a professional environment every day. Was I nervous? Yeah. You know, it's, it's 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 a new it's a new norm for me. So it was, but then luckily again, the the team bonding that I had at that club at that time was just phenomenal. The boys who just made us feel so welcomed, and then I just got for me it was all about thinking, yeah, I'm going to go to Brentford, play a couple of games. You know, just I was thinking more reserve team players. Just thinking my first year at least, just going to reserves and just tick over and learn my craft and 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 just try and come off, off the bench from time to time and then and build from there. But Again, luckily for myself, I ended up playing every single game that season, fifty-six games and leading goal scorer in the league with twenty-five goals. So, yeah, you were uh, you, you were quite yeah. prolific. I mean, we're looking at like one every two and a half games, aren't we? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, did, did you? What did you found easy about scoring goals for Brentford? Was it you know the the people around you, or did you feel like you were an unknown quantity because you'd come from the non-leagues? Because you know sometimes you get these pampered footballers that don't mm. like it up and. You know what I mean? So yeah. when you're marauding down on centre backs, or I mean, what what did you feel it was? I was I was I was raw, but I was fearless. Uh, but also I had the element of great players, like better players around me, who could find me and put me in certain areas. So they would know because I've got so I was so fast when I was a kid, or when I was yeah twenty twenty one. They knew if they put a ball over the top for Lloyd Russo, he's he's getting on on the back of that. So I was getting mm -hmm. on the end of things, great crosses from players, uh, great deliveries. But again, it all come down to my just belief. Being the, I just wanted to be the best I could be. And I, I was just fearless. And I just used to go out and say, every time I'm going to get on that pitch, I'm going to score. And it just happened. Wow. Uh, now, as, as it stands right now, we're, we're live on Facebook. Uh, yeah. And Vic's probably got a question herself. She she, she normally does our ad admin for us as well. So uh, no. uh, <laughs> pick me up, Vic. Uh, yeah, well, the question that I've got on Facebook at the moment, uh, we haven't got that many people live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will go viral later on today. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, we're on Wednesday-based questions, so I'll hold off on that for a bit. But I okay. just wondered, like, you said that you weren't, like, really into football growing up. Did you support a team? Like, was the... Yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool was my team. Yeah, my cousin Ernest got me. It's, it's weird being from down south, ended up supporting a team from up north. But, yeah, my cousin Ernest just got me into supporting Liverpool. And like I said before, because of people like John Barnes and... I used to just watch them. I just, oh, just graceful. I just watch him and Peter Binsley. I just loved them back in the late 80s, early 90s. Steve's a bit of a John Barnes fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's my man. He's my man. Okay. 
so let's get there then. Let's let let let's move on to the Wednesday because um, you know your, your your career is now on a trajectory going going significantly up at this point. Now you had a number of offers and uh, you chose Sheffield Wednesday. Fortunately for us, now one of those offers was another club just down the road, wasn't it? Well, that was lastminute.com, To be fair, uh, Neil Warnock, bless him. He uh, I I had already hand shook him with uh, the gaffer with Terry Yorov, and uh, I agreed. Obviously. Um, I agreed already, but then uh, Neil Warner phoned me. He said, oh, Lloyd, he goes, I heard that you're obviously a free agent and you're looking to get... And I said, yeah. He said, look, he goes, I'd love to get you at Sheffield. I said, listen, I said, I would love to, but I've given my hand to Sheffield Wednesday. He goes, ah, oh. he goes, I'm, okay, so look, fair play to you. I goes, do what you got to do, but he goes, just make sure that when we pay you, you don't score against us. Now, now that, that's really interesting because, I mean, all right, let's 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 forget right now that, that we are a Sheffield Wednesday-based show. But at the mm. time, on paper, they had a very good team. There must have been part of you as a footballer, you know, players like Michael Tonga, who you really gone, I wouldn't mind playing in front of him. You know what I mean? Was there ever, I mean, you're allowed to say it, come on now, it's been a number of years, but was there ever an element of doubt where you thought, shit, have I made the wrong decision here? No, not really, because... Because uh, Sheffield Wednesday, you say about you say about uh, United players. When I looked at the Sheffield Wednesday team, unbelievable. Mm. When I was going into that change room and I saw players like Tron Solvik, uh, she- Shefki Kuki, uh, Paul McLaren, uh, who else was there? I mean, we had Gerald Sabon. Mm. What's a what's a baller? I mean, Craig Arm, we had some, there were some top players there. Yeah, Ethnic you had some people to get out of the way to be really dropped Craig Armstrong. You know what I mean? Very good friend of the show, but I mean, come okay. on. I mean, uh, Kevin Pressman, legendary goalkeeper, you know what I mean? It was, the players were phenomenal, you know? So, for me, it wasn't even, a, it wasn't, a, I didn't think I'd made a, a, a bad choice. Because like I said, like you said before, I had, four, I had about five or six clubs I could have chosen. Uh, mm. And to be fair, I did, I would have probably liked to have stayed down south, but when Sheffield come knocking as well, I, I, had, I came up there with, with my advisor at the time, a better advisor, should I say, Leslie. <laughs> Leslie yeah, so uh, he, 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 me and him came up to Sheffield, had a look around the place, just looked at it and thought, wow, you see, you know, I mean, you see Hillsborough on TV and FA Cups, you know what I mean, in the semi-finals and stuff in, in history before. And this, I just looked around, I was like, wow, this could be the place. And I could, like, you know, I ended up signing. Did you, um, did you speak to, you said about Danny Bailey having a, a lot of influence on your early career and obviously you've got representation, better representation at this point when you come to Wednesday. Do you still have um, that tie-in at that point with, with Danny to say, because obviously it's a bit of a contentious topic at Wednesday about advisors at the moment, but I think mm. it's important that you have got people around you. You said your family were good to you. Yeah. You've got extra, you know, pros, senior pros and representation. Is that all part of your collective thinking when you make yeah. that next step? Yeah, always with me. I've always had that. And like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty a good character of uh, judge of characters. And like I say, Danny was, again, from the first day he met me, I just knew he was someone I could I could really, really trust. Les, again, my advisor then, and obviously mum, dad, sisters, and all my boys back in London. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it was a no-brainer. When I spoke to Danny about it, about all the five clubs, we, we, we sort of pinpointed who was where. Obviously, don't get me wrong, obviously. And then even financially, to be fair, those other clubs offered me probably more. But I just thought... You know, Sheffield is it something different. It's up north. I thought, yeah, just give it a go, and yeah, came and signed. A, a lot of players that we have normally refer to as as the sleeping giant, and it's a massive club and stuff like that. And it's something we, you know, over the last twenty years since you signed, that we don't seem to have kicked on and, mm. and, and and absolutely pulled at that thread of being this sleeping giant. We are still very much asleep. Does, does it shock you sometimes? It does shock me. It, it shocks me because, like I said, you know, I mean, look, I think even even to this day, I think if you look at Hillsborough, 
think it might even even be, still be in the top ten like capacity stadiums in the whole country. I think you know. Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's forty two thousand saying? It's like unbelievable. It's just a massive, massive club. People don't understand it. Like I said, and the fans, top, top draw. It's just oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we're only top draw when we're winning. You should have seen Twitter yeah. yesterday after, <laughs> after we lost. Uh, okay, Vic, so look, we're at Sheffield Wednesday now. So let's see what see what the fans are saying. Uh, so first question, I've, so I was just said asleep, we're unconscious more like. Um, <laughs> did you prefer playing under Terry Orrith or Turner? What is your, yeah, now we're getting controversy, aren't we? Yeah, now, yeah, look, yeah. The gaffer, look, the gaffer brought me in. Terry brought me in and he was... He was Top draw. Uh, I met him and Willie. Uh, they they were open arms to me. They shut. They told me what their vision, their philosophy, what they wanted. Obviously, it didn't go. It didn't go to plan, like we all know. But uh, he was he was quality. He was real honest with me, and I like I, I love managers who are honest. And obviously, you flip it there with Chris Turner. I mean, whether that we can go to that discussion in a minute with how meaning. Look, for me, all my manager, all my manager I played under, I've got respect when I see him. Don't get me wrong, but with me and Chris at the time, I wasn't too happy. Obviously. We'd already Terry had gone, and then Chris had come in, and then I started the beginning of the season. I remember we played Swindon away. I think I think I think I even scored two goals, two goals that the first day of the season down in Swindon. And then later on, I remember we played that game. I don't know if you ever remember the game live on Sky against Wickham. Uh, we won two one. I scored the first one, and then Alan Quinn scored the second. And then on the that was a Tuesday night, and I think on the Saturday we played Burnley at home and we lost. Uh, but I didn't. I was dropped. So I was like. Hold on, I just played. I had a great game on the Tuesday night, and I'm and I'm not in. I'm, I wasn't even playing, so he brought us all in on the on the Sunday and uh, to train. And I thought, you know what? So I'm gonna go and go and chat to the gaffer. I want to go and speak to him to say why why I'm playing. So he called me up. To, I went up to his office. He goes, "I'll come in, Lloyd." So him and Colin West were sitting there, and uh, I said, "I just want to touch base. Why 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 weren't I playing yesterday?" So I don't know if it was I don't know if it was premeditated or something, but he got a piece of paper out under the table. So, I mean, at the time, I couldn't see what was on the, whether there was anything on the paper, I don't know. But he then goes, oh, this is why you didn't play yesterday. You're not fit enough. You don't score enough goals. You don't create enough opportunities. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, wow. So, I'm just like, I just like lost my head. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I just literally just lost my head. So I was like, man, so I said to him, I'm not having that, mate. I said, look, it is what it is. At the end of the day, as a striker, when you're, when you're, when you're five and you're doing well, you, I feel like you, you, should, you should be playing the next game. I mean, no, no one's ever, no, don't get me wrong, no one's ever entitled to play. But at that time, I've come off a high... You've just scored a goal. You've you've played well. So you're surely going to keep that same winning team anyway. And he didn't do that. And then uh, I just lost my head. So I went into training in the morning, like 10, it was about 10 o'clock. And I went out, I was just lost my head. I just started smashing everyone in training. And then after the training session, he looked over to me and goes, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I wanted to see. That's what I want to see you in game. So I think he was trying to get a reaction out of me. So ever since that day, we sort of didn't really, we didn't, yeah, I mean, we didn't kept see eye to eye too much. And uh, obviously I ended up leaving to go on loan and then that was that so but look at the end I still got respect for him when I see him or speak to him from time to time so yeah that was that at the time but I wasn't too happy about it's life mm. You talked about um, Terry Yorath obviously he, he was the guy that brought you in we, we've had I'd say nearly 20 uh, ex-pros ex-Wednesday players in uh, on the on the pod we've not had anybody really talk about Yorath what was he like as a coach? Yeah to be fair he was more man management Willie used to do most of the sessions, you know. Uh, you, you get that many times anyway. You, you would get a senior manager and then you just get his assistant who does the sessions. The gaffer was more reserved. He would just be obviously observing stuff on the sides. Uh, from time to time, don't get me wrong, he would, he would come in and, and, and give his piece. But Willie would take the most of the, the chunk of the session. And then when we got to the sort of cusp of the bit of the shape and what he wanted, then he would come in and do that. But he was, he was a cool guy for me. I liked him. Uh, again, like I said to you before, he was open, transparent. 
Uh, and that's that's all I that's all I expect for a manager for a manager player relationship. So I, I liked him full stop. So what do you think went wrong with him? It was tough. Look for our, for me personally, looking when I look when I look over all these years, there was there was a lot of a lot of egos there. Obviously, like I said, I come I come from a lower end, so for me it was just a dream come true to come to such a big club. And I would did he lose a change room because we had some real big players? Look, if you look at the, like I said, them players like Trond and they'd all just come from the Prem, just been relegated from the Prem. So all these boys, no disrespect at the time, they were massive, massive money, and they're in league, they're in the championship now. Their money hadn't gone down, so for them it was just still like, just go through them. They just just keep just ticking over, not really bothered because at the end of the day they're still getting their paid dollar every week. So I felt when I when I look back at it now, I feel like a lot of the players weren't really bothered and they didn't really buy into him and they just weren't giving him that real respect from what I, that's my vision from how I look at it now. I feel that's a, that's a great point, actually. So so there, there was a point where we as Wednesday fans, we just got relegated out of the Premier League. We looked around at this league and went, we're going to piss this, lads. We'll be fine. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? And then we didn't. And then we didn't again. And then it's been 20 years of, of, of not pissing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But well, you, you're right. We still had some big contracts in there. And there was a few players that you could accuse of phoning it in somewhat. Yeah. Uh, somehow, Gerald Seabon went from being a very average Premier League striker to one of the top championship strikers. It seemed to work the other way for him. But but you're right. Is, is there a level of resentment towards some of these players for, you know, your, your career's on the way up here, you know? You're playing in front yeah. of 40,000 people at this derby. Yeah. You know, you think, mm. like, this is this is great for yeah. me. And, and you're yeah. looking at players like Trondegel Saltberg going, this is shit, this, isn't it? No. Yeah, and you're right. You're right, and that's and that's in a way when I look at it now, it's that's how it sort of went. Like you say, I'm I'm coming there to try and improve my career and obviously try and get to that promised land again mm-hmm. with with ideally with Sheffield Wednesday. But again, you've got the players who just they just weren't. It's just, I just felt like they just weren't bothered. They were happy to pick up their paycheck, their paycheck, knowing they were maybe had another year or two, and and obviously because they were getting older, they were happy mm-hmm. days getting getting their pay, and, and that was it. So I was gutted really, but again, like that's football, that's life. It happens. You just got to get on with it. Chris Chris Turner is um, remembered as one of those managers that pressed the restart button in the club, and unfortunately for, for yourself, you were on the other the wrong side of that. You know what I mean? You you were at the club already, and not mm. one of the players that. Because like, if you look at um, you know Quinn, uh, Geary, Bromby, they all went to go and play for the other side of Sheffield. Yep. Now, yep. were you surprised at that? Because essentially, that was a big fu to deliver to to the club a little bit. Because I bet they thought their shit didn't stink at the time, right? Yeah, I mean, bless it. At the end of the day, look, as much as I know from a fan's perspective, you look at players going, oh, why would you go? You're at Sheffield Wednesday, you're going to United. It's a bit of a no-no. It's a bit of a no-man's no, no man's land. But at the end of the day, players got to look out for themselves. Mm-hmm. They've got to look mm-hmm. out for their own their own families and fortunes, you know? And like, like I say, we were all sort of uh, Terry, Oven, Terry Oven's boys. And it happens in football. New gaffers come in. They might not like the way certain people are around the way. So they sort of, sort of usher you out. And, and that's what sort of happened with the majority of us, you know? So it is what it was. He came in, he he saw he didn't like XYZ. He wanted to bring in his own players, which is understandably. He wants to he has his own philosophy and have his brand of football. Uh again, but then again, the, the, the club struggled, unfortunately, still. Okay. Okay, so let's get to it then. We're halfway through. Uh let's get to the big game. Let's get to the day when you became a Sheffield Wednesday legend. Now, I'll not lie, I was 21 at the time, and uh my memory of the day is quite hazy, but I remember it gave me the best hangover or worst hangover I've ever had in my life. Tell us tell us about the day from start to finish. You know what? I'll have to 
rewind it back a bit because obviously okay. when I signed for Sheffield, I was actually injured. After the playoff final for Brentford against Stoke, I, I already I had done my knee before in the, the final for Brentford. So I, I was having a meniscus operation and all the clubs I went to, they all knew, so they were all happy even still to sign because they knew we had, we had enough pre-season to, to build to, to, to get through anyway. So I signed for Wednesday in the end, had the operation, but I knew I wasn't going to be ready for like the start of the season. Mm. Uh, but while I was doing my rehab, I had a dream. I had a dream, one, I had a dream on a Sunday night that I'm going to make my debut against Sheffield United and, and come on and score. So I've gone in the change room. I've gone into the gym. I was in the gym. I remember I was in the gym pumping some weights and Quinny was in there, Macca, Paul McLaren, Derek. I said to them, boys, boys, you ain't going to believe it. I had a dream that I'm going to come on against Sheffield United and score my first touch. And they're going, shut up, Lloyd, shut up. What are you on about? I said, no, honestly, honestly. So that was it. Obviously, maybe three, four weeks, obviously, into it now, getting my rehab in. A couple of reserve games. The big day comes around September the 1st. But obviously, the, the day before, the gaffer's named the team. But then he, he, hadn't, he hadn't named the subs yet. He still hadn't named the subs. But then late, he whispered to me, Lord, you're going to be on the bench tomorrow. So I was like, oh, just to be you know, wicked, just fantastic. But in my thought face, I was thinking, I had that dream, you know. So I was on the bench. But my, I mean, my recollection, I remember at home, I, I remember leaving my house, driving to Hillsborough, and then you just see the wave of fans. It was just like, this is like, this is proper, man. This is like, you know what I mean? It's what you see on the TV, the big derby, mm. got to the ground, all the fans outside, sign autographs, we've gone through. Obviously, then obviously we've gone warm up. And then obviously game kicks off. We're quite comfortable in the game. The game was like hit and miss, back and forth, back and forth. I remember it. They had quite a few good chances, to be fair. I mean, I remember, yeah, Adam McCool, uh, McCool had a few chances, Tongi and them lot. So yeah, and then Kevin Kev had a great game. And then, yeah, and then later on, warming up, warming up along the, Touch lines, gaff said, Yeah, Lloydie, come, come, come back. So I think it was 70 second minute or whenever it was. He says, We're going on. So I was just buzzing, man, just in my head, just thinking, Yeah, just get just get on that Hillsborough turf. And then, yeah, on that pitch, come on. I remember I gave uh, Yatesy a little nudge. So gave him a nudge in the, in the chest to let him know, Yeah, I'm, I'm about, mate. Who's he's about? And then, uh, yeah, I remember the ball getting played at the back. Quinny, uh, Lee Bromby played it to someone. And then he's played a big diagonal t- across to Shefki, I think. He laid it down to Leon Knight. I remember Leon Knight zinging it across the back stick to Ashley Westwood. And I think Westy heads it on. Uh, Westy then to Craig, then Craig, and then Shefty hits the post, and I'm just the crossbar, and I'm just there in a six yard box, drops down. I was like, bang. And then I just, it was, I couldn't believe it. So I've run off. And if you look at the celebration again, if you actually look at the celebration, you actually see me, Quinny and, Quinny and Mac are straight. I'm saying, what did I effing tell you? What did I effing tell you? <laughs> And then it was just like, wow, man, I just couldn't believe it. It was just like word of over stuff, man. It was just a dream come true, dream come true. Literally, <laughs> thinking about it, that is all of our absolute dreams to come on in a Sheffield yeah. Barbie to score with your first touch in front of the cop. Oh, oh. Wearing the Chupa Chup shirt. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what more do you want Kim from life? <laughs> I have to um, tell you, Lloyd, I watched most, of, well, I didn't even watch it. I. I don't know if when you were sat on the bench and you were watching it, you were thinking, I've signed for the wrong club here because that first half, I sat hiding (laughs) behind my hands. It was so awful. We sit on the front of the cop Mm. and I dared to peek out when Coochie had that shot and it was like in slow motion and then it hit the bar and then in slow motion, I panned across and saw you and I just like, I think my gasp, drew it back into the goal. <laughs> I think I'm one touch of woozoo. I <laughs> couldn't believe it. And then, oh. I, <laughs> I, t- 
really. I'll tell you what's interesting about that, though, Lloyd, telling that story. You've just named it. We had three strikers on the pitch at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, mean, <laughs> you know, I, can, I can't think of a time when Sheffield Wednesday were that attacking. You know, what I mean? <laughs> shocking in itself. So, you know, at that point, like, you know, you're, you're in your early 20s. At this point, I'd have been like, I am unstoppable right now. I mean, obviously, as I've got older playing Sunday League football, you know, I'd have scored that goal and then gone, yes, gaffer. Yes, please. <laughs> I've peaked here now. I'm never, I'm never going to get there again. You know what I mean? Uh, Steve, pick me up. So, obviously, coming out of that game, going into sort of the rest of the season, what was what was the sort of feeling around the club? Um, obviously, you're in. Uh, we, we, we've talked about the dynamics of the squad and what have you, but mm. did we feel like we were going to kick on from there? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it was a mess because it was a game. Obviously, we, had, we hadn't started the best. And then with that game, we thought, you know what I mean? It's a great game to sort of, to, to get the wheels turning even more. And uh, obviously, yeah, we, we, we won that game 2-0. And then, uh, I mean, I can't obviously can't remember who we played after, but we, we were sort of we were very inconsistent. And then obviously from there, we, it was a bit too much inconsistent. And that's when obviously the gaffer, unfortunately, got the tic-tac. And then uh, obviously Chris coming. So, yeah, it was, it was unfortunate, but it, it, it was what it was. I'm so, interested, sorry, Dan, if I just push on, on that. It's, I don't mean to kind of bring you down here, Lloyd, for obviously what you achieved uh, with Wednesday, but we can see what your, what your scoring record was when you were with, with Brentford and with Slough, and Dan kind of alluded to sort of one in two, one in three. You yeah. came to Wednesday, it didn't work out the way uh, ultimately that you'd, you'd have wanted it to. And I'm quite interested because we've talked a lot on the podcast about sort of mental health and, and, and keeping yourself in the right frame of mind just obviously going through a lockdown and what have you, but when you're a professional footballer and you have expectations and you have belief in yourself, and like you said, yeah. at Brentford, you were raw, you just thought you'd get about it. Do you start to question, maybe not your own ability, but as to why you can't replicate and do what you know you're capable of doing? And I think it's quite interesting at that time where you'd have been comparing how you were and how you expected the move to go, because we've got strikers now like Jordan Rhodes who have clear ability but aren't able to replicate what they once did. How do you, how do you personally deal with that challenge to yourself and stay out of your own mind and keep positive? Fucking hell, yeah, that's, a, that's good a good question, isn't it? Bloody hell. Normally we <laughs> just do knob gags and tell stories about hitting, hitting each other with flip-flops and flicking each other's towels on the ass. Bloody hell. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the question again? <laughs> no, Are you all right? Yeah, to be fair, you're right. You're right. I mean, like back in them days, when you talk about mental health, it, there was not, there was non-existent, you know. So uh, it's a great question. To be fair, for me at the time, look, I thought, yeah, I thought I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's obviously I'm a goal scorer. And like you said, it didn't really materialise for me at, at Wednesday. Was that because I'm not good enough? You sometimes think to yourself, oh, am, am I not good enough? But then on the flip side, I know what I can do. It's about getting given the opportunity, and no disrespect at the time, it was a dynamics with me at the time with a manager. And when I look back at it. It was so inconsistent. I was in, out, in, out. And as a player, you're thinking, what else can you do? You, you try and do your best. You try and do your extras. But if, if someone just doesn't, maybe just doesn't like you as a maybe a player or a person, there's not much you can do as a, as a, as a player. Mm. It's the gaffer at the end of the day. He's the one who's going to pick the team. So for me, I never really thought I'm a bad player. It's just the, the dynamics between myself and the manager who wasn't giving me the opportunity to do what I knew what I could do. So that's how I look at it. Mm. Have, we, uh, have we got any more on Facebook, Vic? Um, <laughs> please, can you start dreaming that Wednesday a some points would be? <laughs> <That's Yeah. what laughs> uh, Ernest has said, I remember that game. I think he's talking about the derby. Did you collapse after scoring? 
Nah, so uh, obviously, nah, that's all that's to do with all my puking stuff, isn't it? Probably, he's probably nah, because obviously, again, as, again, when we talk about when I look back now, because if you remember, I, I puked up after I puked up on the pitch. Not many people probably know that what actually happened physically on the pitch, but I actually puked up on the pitch. And when I look back at it now, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not ashamed to talk about it now, I think realistically, I think it was down to obviously anxiety and, and nerves because all of a sudden I'm. I'm playing in front of three, four thousand at, at Brentford week in and week out, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm playing in front of forty thousand in a derby. It was just a norm. It was just a, new to me, and then all of a sudden, I just I think I just I just laughed, and I just puked up. But and then from there, each for a couple of weeks, it started happening all the time. We were and the club was getting quite concerned, to be fair, because. But then when I look back at it now, it, it when I, if you really think back, it, it's down. It was nerves. It was anxiety. Uh, but no one, again, back in our days, no one knew, no one spoke about it. Uh, but then after that, over the years, it started, I start, started to do it still. But then in the end, it actually became a habit where <laughs> actually, actually actually became a habit of me actually puking up before a game. And that wasn't because of nerves and anxiety, just something that made me feel really released and just, just yeah, just made me feel free. And uh, and even then, I've, I've done it 15 years later after. So, yeah, but it's weird. It's like I said, I'm, I'm glad now nowadays players are getting everything from the PFA, from mental health uh, associations that, to help these younger players and players in general, where we obviously at our time, we didn't get that. So happy that players are getting it now. That is fascinating, actually, because yeah. that's one of the things that when I've told people that you're coming on, when I told these guys, and that's the first things that people ask about, are obviously the Derby goal. Um, was it asthma? Was it this? Was it that? Because there were so many, and I Googled, like my Google yeah. history is like Lloyd Wusu asthma, Lloyd Wusu vomit. Yeah. Lloyd I, mean, I am asthmatic. I am asthmatic. find out. Yeah. Um, but, and also the, the club thought, because even then, they we, we had tests, they, I went to the hospital. I've had my tonsils taken out for it, just to see if, but, but again, again, when I look back, it, it was nervous and, and anxiety. I, uh, I suffer from it myself as well the uh, the vomited thing but i do it the other way and and, and you're right it, it it's something that's that's with your head isn't it i remember mm. that. and i'll tell you what it is it's yorkshire teachers that gave it to me and I, I remember i was like 10 years old and i know we're interviewing you but i'm going to tell you this story and yeah. i was about yeah we were about 10 years old and i remember i was trying to explain to this teacher that this kid had done something and it, and it weren't me you know what i mean and they just kept saying stop i'm talking stop i'm talking and this teacher wouldn't listen to me so I was just sick. I just <laughs> literally just vomited down myself. And it happens now. You know, like if there's been in, in, in situations where I've been at work or, you know what I mean, or I've been trying to talk mm. to a member of staff or something like that. And, and if I'm not being listened to, I get so frustrated. I just vomit down myself. Yeah. Like It's yeah. a really weird thing. So I completely understand that, that the two, in terms of your mental health and, and your physical, can, can actually intertwine at some mm. point. Yeah. Although sure. it does make it does make a messier uh, back teeth. Now <laughs> I was a little bit concerned, Dan. When Dan, you said that you do it the other way. When you said I'm sick, but I do it the other way. Remind me never to argue with you face to face. Establish it yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It happens. It happens. Now um, I'm, I'm going to embarrass Holly now because uh, I want I want her to show you the back of the back of her shirt. Yeah. Don't embarrass me. I'm all about it. Proud about it. Proud about it. The um the reason the reason I'm pointing that out is the size of the fan base and playing in front of Sheffield Wednesday and you know meeting people in Meadow Hall and some of the things they say to you and stuff like that. I mean, did, did, you must have had an element of it at Brentford, of course, but 
yeah, you did. I mean, obviously, being, being in a London club, I mean, we were only a small London club back in them days. Luckily for myself, I was quite successful. And then I, also be a, I, I was also a DJ as well. So in the London scene, I was quite well known. But coming up to Sheffield, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Obviously, one score in the goal, my first touch. And then never, never having to buy a drink in the town everywhere. In, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got the keys to the city in one half. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. But like you said, I would like to say, I'd go out in the evenings to, uh, with, with some of the boys to bars and clubs and out to Meadow Hall. And like, you just get the fans would always be like, there'd be, I mean, some, at first you'd be seeing people looking at me. Exactly, exactly. So isn't it? And or whoever I was with, like me, when I was with Leon Knight or Maka, you know what I mean? The fans were unbelievable. They would always want to, just always want to talk to you. Would always want to talk to you. And for me, that was, that's prime. I mean, at the end of the day, I always say without the fans, us footballers are nothing, you know? So I always used to give my time and day to, to, to fans and, and everyone and yeah, sign autographs and anything. But the fan base was just tremendous, top, top, top fans. That's, that's yeah, I, I must admit it's... Uh... It, it, it's one thing that, and, uh, you know, it's great when it's going well. I bet it's amazing. But when it, you know, when it's falling to shit sometimes, I, I can't imagine being on that pitch in, in that cauldron, as it were. Yeah, you know we, I, mean? I mean, we've got, I mean, I sort of even experienced it a bit. I mean, I remember being on the sidelines when I was on the bench a few times and we, when we were sort of struggling. You know what I mean? And I mean, you, you, you do feel the pressure and the, the fans could be hardcore, you know, because it, like I say, it's, they're, because they're so pas- passionate and, and bless them to be. You, you, you did feel the tension when things weren't going our way, results weren't going. You, you felt it really hard on, on, the, on the players. It, it was tough. It was tough. That's, uh, that's Holly and her dad at the front of the cop. <laughs> <laughs> Turning it I, into I, just, I had just love for Lloyd of Awuzu, me. I had nothing bad to say. I can't believe that 18 years later, you're still wearing a shirt that you wore at like 14 Fantastic. years old. You're like the smallest person. The 2000 in the shirts were differently sized. <laughs> a bit big. I think the thing is, Lloyd, that season, that your first season at Wednesday, was so bizarre because everything was going fine and then there was just this point that everything went to shit. I think, was it... Um, oh, hold on. I'm not going to lie, I'm going back here. 20 years. <laughs> like Millwall was the last game that we lost and then it was a few draws and then everything like suddenly picked up again and there was like the 7-2-7-1 against Burnley I remember I was fuming about that game absolutely fuming and then obviously you scored in the last game of the season but that must have been how do you keep going knowing that everything's already finished I, know. You know what I mean I how, know. Do, how does a team walk away like because I, I went to Brighton and that was uh, uh, that was not a good day out <laughs> not a good time to sky school that was it wasn't great um and then you come back and i know obviously you were on the bench at the the 7-2 game but Mm. what that's just like torture for fans isn't it like how do you pick yourselves up and suddenly win 7-2 at home yeah it's crazy you just it's football you've got you're you're paid to do a job i mean you can't sulk you just got to get on even though we knew we were relegated already You've got to get up and just and pick yourselves up and, and, and just keep playing. And I mean, me personally, that's, that's, that's just the way I've been brought up and raised and my character is just to keep going. You can't sulk. you just got to keep working hard and try and strive to be the best you can and, and try and work your way back up. Yeah, I think that, that was just such a bizarre season for everybody involved. It just felt like, I, to be honest, the form then was better than what we're doing at the moment. It was a lot of draws, wasn't it, as far mm-hmm. as I remember? It was. I, I went to, like, literally every game that season, and, yeah, it wasn't fun. Um, but, like, the last match of the season then, so, obviously, we were playing Walsall, you scored. Um, yep. did, 
What was that like to know your last game of the season, you're at Hillsborough, you've just scored, but you're still going to go around and applaud the fans and it's not a lap of honour, it's a lap of appreciation. For you. <laughs> but does that, I would just feel, I, I don't know how I would feel about that from a mental health point of view again and just in general as a professional. Did you just think, what am I, what am I applauding? Like, do, did, was there like a feel of guilt in the team or yeah, not on you personally, but... Yeah, of course, you do, you do it as a, I believe as a player, you should feel guilty in, in regards to, at the end of the day, shows that in a way we weren't good enough to, to stay up. And then obviously fans are there to pay their money and we weren't good enough to, to stay up as players for the club. But reason why I, I was, me personally, I appreciate the fans, regardless of what happened, you, you have to appreciate the fans because like I said, without the fans, us players are nothing. We're nothing. They're the ones who pay our wages at the end of the day. So you've got to give them everything and show them respect. And like I say, fair play to the fans. I remember that day, they, they still applaud us because I think certain players, they, they knew that certain players still gave it their all. Even though they were down and out, they still knew that certain players gave it their all. And uh, I'm not just saying just for myself. I know I'm, I was, I've always been a player in my career, no matter where I've gone, 110%, regardless of what's happened, whichever situations happened, I've always given 110%. And I think I can honestly say that any club I've been to, any fan can say, Lord of does that. He's done that, and he's and it's and it's there in the, in the record to say that he, he's done that. So, yeah. That was the frustrating thing about that season. It wasn't actually that bad, and there weren't any particularly bad performances individually mm. or anything like that. It just didn't seem to go Wednesday's way. But mm. uh, just FYI, in case anyone's watching, I didn't sky of school. I absolutely <laughs> had a migraine on my way down to Brighton. <laughs> We've got a couple of questions on Facebook, Lloyd. Yep. Um, what did you know about Sheffield Wednesday before you signed for us? Well, again, like I said, for me, you, you know about the history, especially with the FA Cup games that always played there back in the days in the semi-finals and everything at Hillsborough. So you always you always knew that and seen it on TV. As a as a as a city itself, didn't know too much about it. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, being a southerner, you know. Uh, and then player-wise, I knew a few players. Obviously, people like Paul McLaren at the time because he had been at Luton prior, and so I knew him from playing against him and. Uh, Leon Knight being in London, I knew him. I and mean, I knew he was coming up alone there. So, yeah, I didn't really know too much about the club as a whole, but only just from the outside aspects of seeing it on the FA Cup games, etc. in the past. And yeah. Sorry. Sorry. One more question. Um, Annette says she'd like to know about the social side of the team, nights out and characters, etc. Oh, mate. Even <laughs> though, like, yeah, there, was, there was a dynamic, because, like I said, at the time there was a dynamic, because you had... The boys, obviously, they just got been relegated from the Prem. You had the big boys, the Trons, the Sabons, all on the big, big money. Then you had the cusp of the Alan Quins and and Geary's and Lee Bromies come through the youth and been there. And then you had the sort of that sort of boys who'd come from League One, League Two. So there was a real there was a real mix of players. So that as much as I'm not nice to say, there wasn't that much synergy at first because there was there was three sort of different three different sort of areas in the changing room. So it was quite, it was quite a different dynamic. But we got along. Everyone don't get wrong, Everyone got along in the end, and and we had some, we had some great team nights out and uh, good bonding. And there was, but then in, no one was really an ass to anyone. To be fair, I must admit, with, with them boys, no one was really an ass though to each other. Where in certain places like in the past I've been, yeah, but everyone did get along. But there was a different dynamic. There wasn't that, that synergy at first. Wasn't I think because I think because of the mentality of. Uh, we've been relegated and people just want to pick up their money. But over, overall, overall. Not a bad bunch. Do you have any night out stories? I mean, you can drop Craig in it, to be fair, because he's probably tuning in now, because I have texted him and said Mate, that you just dropped him in as a, <laughs> as a great player. 
My mate Craig never used to go out. No, no, Craig, no, he liked it. He was a good lad. He was good. Man, look, we obviously we had we had a few Christmas nights outs and and stuff, and obviously a few preseason trips away, and we were out and about. So we used to go to Leeds quite a lot because uh, it was only up the road. It was, a, it was a bit better nightlife than than Sheffield to a certain extent. So yeah, we had a few there. We had a great one out. I remember we had a good one in Newcastle. Great Christmas trip in Newcastle. So yeah, we we had some we had some good times and some and, and some. Uh, few good drinks as well but it's all it's all it's all safe and pleasant though <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah one of them go on <laughs> so i was just gonna say vic mentioned that things weren't going our way which is very much similar to right now and mm. wednesday fans can be a bit dramatic when things aren't going our way did you find... Ollie, you're the cheerleader of that come on stop being <laughs> modest <laughs> we, can, we can be we. quite um <laughs> I don't know what the word is. Um, horrible. Did, horrible, yeah. Did you find Brentford or Reading fans more forgiving than Wednesday fans in the seasons when you were here and it wasn't going well? Could you... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the Wednesday fans, like I said, at times when, like, when things weren't going well, they, they would let you know. They would let you know where other clubs I've been to, even though things aren't... They were a bit a bit more different. I guess whether is it is it a northern thing and I mean, yes, it's it's such a desire to, <laughs> yeah, just such a desire for football. You know what I mean? It's just that's all you live and breathe. You're, you're, you're home from your work nine to five and you just want to go out at the weekend and watch a good game of football. So that's what they live and breathe. So uh yeah, it, it, I did experience that to a certain extent, a bit more hard hardcore with the with the Sheffield Wednesday fans. Was it personal? Did you, people say things to you personally? Because I like, I'll sit there and I will yeah. like moan in the stand or whatever else. I'll say things, but I would never dream of going up to someone mm. in the street. I mean, I've said things to Dave Allen yeah. from a yeah. distance, but I would never dream of going up to somebody and say like the horrific yeah. stuff that I know. Like Craig, for example. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny, yeah, actually, you say that Vic, because I remember there was a time I was warming up, and I, or well, I didn't actually physically hear it. To be fair. Uh, apparently there was, a, there was a couple of two fans apparently at the side they were even apparently they were giving some racial they were, they were even giving some racial uh, abuse to me I never actually heard it and some other fans actually called them out and they end up they actually end up getting a lifetime ban I believe back in them days so uh, yeah there was, there was a bit of that but I mean I didn't hear it uh, so glad that the, the club and people around them dealt with it so yeah it's I mean you get some people you do get some idiots but I guess it's, it's part and parcel of life isn't it sometimes do you feel that we have an apathy for that type of behaviour in the football world completely? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, back, back in, go back 20 years, 25 years, there's there's an element of, um, you kind of have to shrug your shoulders and go, that's what football fans are like. I mean, obviously now the last couple of years and, you know, the last year especially, it, it's really come to, really come to fruition and it's really come to the fore. You know, this must be something that, that means something to you, like really... You know, it's hits home with you. Did you, did you. did you suffer any any abuse like that? Luckily, you know what? Luckily for me, as much as I, I I didn't as much. When you think back all back in them times, you would have thought you, you heard other players got quite a lot of racial abuse. I actually didn't get too too much at all. The odd little one here and there. If anything, it was mostly sometimes on the pitch. If anything, from certain players. I mean, we I remember when I was at Brentford and we played. I think it was Notts County, and there was a corner, and I remember the goalkeeper. I was. My, my position at the time was I had to block, sort of block the goalkeeper. I remember making monkey chants. Fucking and then, hell. yeah, then, then then the next corner, I think I scored. So I just went, just went up to him and just went, <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? Shut him up, things like that. But such luckily for myself, I didn't get I didn't get that much racial abuse in my career. 
um, I was just going to ask, obviously your, um, sort of the main part of your career was with Brentford and Bud just touched on the, um, the, the sort of the, the coming to the fore of the, the sort of the Black Lives Matter movement and um, taking the knee and Brentford have obviously come out and I don't want to put you on the spot necessarily, but mm. Brentford have come out and, and made a sort of a, a stance that they're not going to take the knee. Um, yeah, have had any feelings, emotions, thoughts on that? No, I haven't really. At the end of the day, it's, it's up to it's up to the individual, up to the club, what they want to do. Uh, if if it's, it, it's a great initiative, what was happening, everyone, I think everyone's seen it now, so everyone knows about it. Do they need to continue to do it? Yes, no, totally up to them. Totally up to them. You know what I mean? So I can't. It's not something that I can really comment on too much. You know, but if, like I said, if they want to do it, they do it. If they don't, they don't. Okay, let's um, let's move on then to your departure. From uh, mm. from Sheffield Wednesday because I can imagine you being a bit pissed off about it, especially before and since your goal to game ratio is mm. you know is is significantly better than than what it was at Sheffield Wednesday, and I assume because Chris Turner reduced your playing time, you know you were pushing, you were fighting up against Seabom Cucci, uh, even Leon Knight to an extent, you know what I mean. So you know your Kim place Alton. in the queue would have fluctuated. Yeah, yeah. so. It was that yeah, because it was actually funny how I left in the or in a way because what happened was we actually played Brighton away, and mm-hmm. I was on the bench again, and and obviously I've got a great relationship with Steve Coppel, and uh, he called me in his office when we got there. You know, you just get you normally say hello to the old gaffers, whoever you see old play teammates. So he goes, "Oh Lloyd, what's going on with you?" I said, "Oh, I'm just not playing gaffer." He went, "Oh, would you want to come on loan here, maybe?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Mate, if I, if I can come on loan down south, we're going to be buzzing." So he, yeah, goes, yeah. he goes, "He goes, let me touch base with you Monday." So no, so on. Obviously, I, I kept. Obviously, I kept it hush hush. And then on the on the Sunday. But that journey it, back from Brighton, yeah. I bet you were giddy yeah. as anything. I, I, I was, I that. In my head, I was like, "Oh man, I could be going on loan to Brighton." So anyway, <laughs> I went to trade, and I thought, you know what, I've got to let it out. So I went into the change rooms, all boast. I was like, "Yeah, man, boys, I'm going to be off to Brighton. I'm going to be off." Get it out of here! I'm <laughs> off, lads. Get, get out. So anyway, next thing, one of the boys comes running in and goes, "Boys, you seen Sky Sports News?" And then uh, everyone's going, no, well, what's happened? He goes, Steve Copp has gone to Reading. I was like, in my, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> if me, folks, I'm going to go to Brighton. I think I'm going to Brighton alone. And he's gone to Reading. I thought, F this. I was like, oh, damn, I've got to stay here now. So anyway, another month gone in. You know, obviously, this is, I think it was about October time, October, November. And I was like, frigging, I've got to stay here now still. So I'm in and out of the team, in and out of the team. But then I get a phone call in December. We all feel like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, get a phone call, I get a phone call in December. Lloyd, Steve Couple here. That <laughs> you gaffer goes, I want you to come along to Reading. I said, you, I said, serious gaffer. I was like, serious. He goes, yes. Said, he goes, Brian McDermott was going to give you a call and we we'll get it all sorted. And I was like, couldn't. And now this time I was buzzing because I knew physically he's at Reading. He's called me personally to say, look, he wants me there. And then I remember Brian <laughs> Just make sure you stay there till tomorrow. <laughs> Don't yeah, worry again. And then to be fair, yeah, but they already sorted out with the club secretary at Wednesday. And I remember the, the, the secretary said, Lloyd, we're going on loan to, to... And I was buzzing because at the end of the day, Reading was in the championship and we were in League One at the time. So uh, luckily for myself, I've got to move back to the championship on loan. Because even though it was only a loan move at first and obviously turned into a permanent, I was actually buzzing. I mean, I was, yeah, I was sad to, to leave Sheffield because I, I loved Sheffield as a place as a whole. You know, back in the, the day, it was all about myself and playing football. And I even, I mean, in the, I even, I even end up taking a pay cut going to to Reading from Sheffield Wednesday. So for me, it wasn't even about the money. It was just about making sure I can try and be the best I can, play at the best level I can, and, and keep playing football. So yeah, that's that. That's the way I, I end up leaving Sheffield. So I didn't really get a chance to really 
even see a lot of the fans because I because because I went on loan and then the loan rolled into a automatic two and a half year permanent. So I didn't really get a chance to see all the the, the Wednesday fans and even my teammates to a certain extent. So that was a bit upsetting. But yeah, over the years, even via Twitter and everything, you know, I mean, Wednesday fans have a I have a great relationship with them on them, and so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and happy that they they still support me. I don't think I'd worry about that. You scored with your first touch in a derby. That was it. You know, instant Wednesday legend. Like, you know, no, okay. So, we're into the last couple of minutes. Does anybody else have any other questions before uh, before we wrap this up? What are you up to he's now? He's in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Obviously, now I'm here in Australia, Sydney. I've been I've uh, I've been here since yeah, just over you know, nearly ten years now. Uh, obviously, I came out here to play back in 2009 and then I emigrated in 2012. And, uh, yeah, been here ever since. Uh, just actually find only last month, Australia Day, I've, got, I've done my ceremony, Australian ceremony. So I've got my Australia passport now, or I've got to apply for it. So I'm an, I'm an, Aussie, I'm a, I'm an Aussie citizen now, which is good as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm coaching. I'm, I'm still in the world of football with coaching. Coaching was always my fore, was always on my forefront after finishing playing. I was... Love giving back to the to the younger generation, and uh, I'm at one of the top private schools in the country called Cranbrook, where I'm the first eleven head coach for the senior team, and then I'm the general duty master. So I'm in charge of all the discipline at the school. So I, I work alongside the house masters and the, the director of students, and then just maintaining the the boys' attitudes and just making sure they're not being dicks around the school. <laughs> and stuff. Is that the school motto? Yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't be, a, be dick. a dick. That's the most yeah. Australian thing ever. <laughs> you got any, have you got any jobs going? Yeah, yeah. Oh, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying it's, it's, a, it's a great role for me. Uh, in, in reason being, because I've been in that environment of professional football all my life, you know, you know it is, as a footballer, you, you have to be disciplined, you know, uh, one to succeed and, and be a good person. And luckily for myself, I, I had that in abundance growing up from my, from my family upbringings, uh, from my mum and dad, and obviously my sisters and all my mates. But going into the school environment now, I can give something back to the kids. And and like like I said, this school is one of the richest schools in the country. It's like, this is like creme, this is like, it's like, it's, it's equivalent of Eton. You know, it's like creme de la creme. Like, this is the, this is the kind of wealth we're at my school. Like, we've got the people like the Packers, Justin Hemses, uh, Russell Crowe's kids are there, Nicole Kidd, like top creme de la creme. So like, these kids are very, very, very privileged and uh, entitled. You're telling them off. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, and, I'm, and, I'm, and and that's why, and that's why, to be fair, that's why the school they they love what I do because I give them a sense of realness. You know, uh, it's not all about how much money you you earn. At the end of the day, for me, you've got to be a good person first, regardless of how much money you earn. If you're a good person, you, that that, get, that gets you halfway through in in life. And uh, I just try and instill that in all the because it's a boys' school as well. So I just try and instill that into the boys. And I just, it's all about building relationships, really. And then and once you build relationships with the boys, my job's easy. It's really easy. Go on, Vic. Uh, Holly, sorry. Um, well, you sort of answered it a bit there. You mentioned a few different times that you took a move for your career and the experience rather than the money. And I wondered whether that was something that's lost with the amount of money that's in football at the moment, even quite lower down, not just Premier League. It goes quite mm, far down yeah, now. Yeah. And if that's something that you make a point of passing on to the kids at your school, but I guess it wouldn't matter if they already have. Too much, but yeah, like you say, it's, it's not exactly. bad for me in life. It's, it's all good. Everyone wants to be comfortable. Don't get me wrong, but you just got to work hard to become comfortable, and two, you got to be a good person. Amazing, amazing, Lloyd. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, morning slash morning. Uh, if you're watching this in the future, uh, I will have had a nap. If you want to ask us any <laughs> questions later on, 
Uh, don't forget to join us again on Thursday. Who have we got on Thursday, Vic? Terry Curran. Terry Curran. Terry Curran's joining us on Thursday. So uh, thanks all for joining us on the Wednesday week. Vic, check us off Facebook. Cheers, guys. <laughs> The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points back of the net. Lubosch. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.